What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a Super Bowl edition of the Take Three podcast. We're here on a Thursday. It feels like it's been forever. Our last episode was all the way last Monday. You know, I mean, it feels wrapping up those conference championship games. It feels like forever since uh, we've seen competitive football, right? It feels like these two weeks kind of drags on garbage Pro Bowl. Um, I don't know how anybody could sit there and watch that this weekend. I don't know. They should probably just cancel the game because it's really just a substitutions bowl. Uh, it's not even really a Pro Bowl, right? There's not... 80 of the NFL's best stars. It's just garbage. But hey, we're four days out, three days out from the big one that we all want to see the Rams, basically a home game, even though they're technically the away team taking on the Bengals. Everybody's AFC pick, right? The Bengals roll in the underdogs, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, those guys. Um, before we really dive into both sides, um, it's been a while since football has been on, right? Competitive football. So, I mean, how are you guys liking the uh, the scene heading into Super Bowl weekend? I'm super excited. It feels weird. I'm, I'm super pumped for this matchup for some odd reason. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I can tell you why for me personally. It's just because it's new, right? <clears throat> yeah, we got the Rams a couple years ago, but that was with uh, Jared Goff. Now we got Matthew Stafford. And obviously Cincinnati hasn't even been close to it in a long time. And here we got Joe Burrow. It just feels fresh, fun, new, right? Bunch of new guys in the Super Bowl. It's just, it's, it feels like a good change of pace. Yeah, for sure. I would say so. It feels like there's there's like a little bit of a swag in the Super Bowl with obviously Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, but he brings to the table. Then on the other side, you got Matt Stafford, you got Odell, you got Cooper Cup. It's like all the stars and you're spot on. It's a it's a fresh matchup. It's something that uh, we have to look forward to. How about you, Blaine? How are you uh, looking going into the Super Bowl weekend? Yeah, I like what, what you guys said. Just the the sort of refreshing matchup. I doubt there's any person out there who can show you a receipt from preseason that, where, where they're talking about their prediction being Bengals and Rams. So that's exciting in and of itself because, you know, most people had Chiefs and Packers early on or Chiefs Bucks. And then as things got closer to the playoffs, I think everyone had Chiefs Packers or Chiefs Bucks. So uh, this was definitely kind of a dark horse Super Bowl. And I think we're going to get a good matchup on Sunday. It's like the layer of unknown that also kind of like it makes it so much more intriguing, although it's like a game where if you hypothetically you look at it on the outside, it's like the Rams should probably win this football game, right? Like uh, they should 100 percent. They should probably win. Uh, They have a lot of advantages that we'll jump into. But then it's like the the Bengals, they don't care, man. They don't care who they play. They beat the one seed nine sacks in the uh, divisional round against the Titans. They find a way to win. Uh, They go into Arrowhead. They're down 21-3. They find a way to win. So it's just like the unknown that the Bengals can really do anything. They're playing with house money at this point, right? Everybody's counted them out this entire run. They're four-point dogs going into the Super Bowl. Um, and they just have like, I don't know, they have that it effect. Joe Burrow has, he has that thing, right. That I don't even know how to explain it, but he has that uh, it factor when it comes to uh, football, which, uh, it makes it super exciting, but I mean, let's jump straight into it. Uh, we'll start on the Bengals side of the ball. They're kind of their keys to win. We'll start with you, Alex. I mean, what do you think are some keys when you look at the Bengals? Obviously they have to keep Joe Burrow upright that front of the Rams, that we'll talk about it's dangerous. Um, they probably want to get some run in the ball, right? They have to keep their guy upright. They just have so much going in this game. They got to be able to stop uh, Cooper Cup, Odell. I mean, what what did they have to do? Uh, looking at what are a couple of keys that you have that the Bengals need to do on Sunday to uh, take control of this game? Yeah, for Cincinnati, I obviously I think the most 
blatantly obvious one is that Aaron Donald and that D-line against that Bengals offensive line, right? And it's kind of like a broken record of saying, well, we're worried about the Bengals offensive line. Like, are they going to allow all these sacks? But, man, it's like Joe Burrow has been so incredible. Nine sacks against Tennessee. Uh, Chris Jones all over him in the AFC Championship, and he's still getting out of it. And I think he has to continue that high-level of play, right? Because – that offensive line is going to get beat multiple times on Sunday. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Floyd, they're going to get in that backfield. I'm sure Joe Burrow is going to be sacked at least twice, I would think. Right. So in order for them to make sure they're going, Joe Burrow is going to have to escape and play well, just like he did against Kansas City. He's clearly capable of it. And uh, he, he's he got me as a believer. I buy in. I think he's going to play at a high level. I think he's going to extend plays and keep that offense going. And they're going to need that, right? Because if Joe Burrow is not there extending plays, it's going to be a long offensive day. You mentioned they want to run the football 100% with Joe Mixon. And if they can get efficient running, that they'll, they'll do it, right? I just don't know how much confidence I have in them being able to run the ball efficiently against the Rams. The Niners are a uh, very strong run team. They did not run the belt ball very well against them in the NFC Championship game. I think we could see something similar. And then it's going to rely on Joe Burrow extending plays, right? And then it, so then that turns the conversation to me with Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. I think Jalen Ramsey is going to be on Jamar Chase, but there's just going to be so much opportunity for Jamar Chase that he's going to get his still, right? He, he might slow him down, and Jamar ends the game with only like 60-ish yards, a little slower game, uh, kind of similar to the AFC Championship, but then that leaves T. Higgins across the field, right? Because the ability to shut both of them down, I don't believe is realistic. They're going to have whoever they hone in on, most likely, obviously, being Jamar Chase, is going to leave a lot more opportunities for Boyd and Higgins. So, like, to me, it's all about Joe Burrow extending plays and then finding the open receiver and not forcing things, right? Because I believe if he can extend plays, if it's not Jamar Chase, T. Higgins or Boyd will find an opening in that. Yeah, it's interesting. Just the just the the Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase thing. Jalen Ramsey doesn't shadow. Uh, he probably no, he doesn't. He doesn't shadow. So if Zach Taylor had any brains, he'd keep him across the formation. I don't know. We saw the last time that Jalen Ramsey wanted to shadow a guy and get pissed. He went on Mike Evans and got burnt two plays later. So I mean, there's in all likelihood they could just keep Jamar Chase away from Jalen Ramsey. Probably be a smart thing. I mean, they still have Tyler Boyd, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of roll out on offense, right? Because you assume that Jalen Ramsey will be able to do a solid job um, sitting 10 yards back and just praying that the uh, front four attacks. But, I mean, yeah, you hit it now on the head. The, uh, the Rams uh, are going to come straight at Joe Burrow. That O-line concerns me a lot. They're going to have to be able to chip block, throw some, uh, throw a tight end in there, right? Just stunt something, just, just slow down the pass rush. They got to give Joe Burrow – uh, more than two seconds. He got sacked 51 times this year. Uh, he's just got beat up. And I think that is, that's the number one uh, crucial thing. I think when you look at him as well, that, that uh, with the running game, I mean, when you look at the 49ers, I don't think the Rams defense respects Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback, right? So they figure they can, you can stack up your box. Uh, is James Garoppolo really a threat? I mean, we saw he's not really a threat. Joe Burrow though, uh, if they can get him a second off a of play action, uh, with a little bit of running game going, he's a little different story, right? That man can sling the rock around a little bit. So I think it's uh, it just adds a dynamic that with the quarterback play, 
if they could get the run game going, I don't know. I can't sit here and tell you that it would be uh, efficient, but if they could find a, some way to maybe stretch some runs out with Joe Mixon, uh, it could create some things, slow down the pass rush a little bit. Um, we saw them kind of come out conservative early against the Chiefs. So I don't know if they'll come out with the same type of a game plan as well. But, I mean, Blaine, anything for you to add that what they would do uh, need to do, at least offensively, we'll jump defense uh, uh, in a moment. But anything on the offensive side other than keeping Joe Burrow just straight up right for four quarters of football that the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals should be looking to do on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, we're, we don't need to beat a dead horse on that. That's the obvious uh, number one priority is just protect your quarterback against one of the most ferocious front fours. So I'll, I'll kind of spin it off of that and, and get into some more, uh, you know, game plan ideas that I have. And I think one of the most important things that they can do to not only move the football, but move the football while keeping Joe, Joe Burrow protected is you see a lot of checks at the line from veteran quarterbacks like uh, Aaron Rodgers. Ben Roethlisberger does it a lot with Deontay Johnson. But some of the veteran quarterbacks, if they even if they're in a run play, even if they're in a, a pass play, they'll do a simple check or a simple hand motion to one of their wide receivers if they're being given too much cushion. And they'll, uh, you know, the wide receiver just stand there at the snap and they'll throw it right to them and gain four, five, six. Sometimes, you know, if you can make that corner miss, uh, gain a first down on those plays. We see a lot of that from the, the more established QB to wide receiver connections. And I think Zach Taylor and that offense will be well served to take a page uh, out of the book of some of those veteran quarterbacks because the Rams are notorious for playing a high percentage of zone defense and really not even pressing or bluffing like they're in man and just, you know, back in the corners off eight to 10 yards. If I'm Joe Burrow, anytime I see Higgins out wide or Chase out wide, and the corners are 8 to 10 yards off, I'm doing the hand signal, I'm checking, I'm snapping the ball, and immediately snap throwing to one of those one of those guys and just letting them eat 5 to 7 yards minimum every play, making a corner tackle them one-on-one. And, and those, are, those are physical receivers, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They can do damage after the catch, as we've seen many times this year, and that serves multiple purposes. It can be an extension of your run game, but like we go back to, most importantly, it keeps Joe Burrow upright and frustrates the hell out of the defensive ends and the defensive front of the Rams if you get the ball out that quickly. Facts for sure. That would kind of go away from really what they've done all year, right? Because they're mainly uh, uh, let the routes run deep vertical down the field and kind of you're just not going to have the time against the Rams. I mean, that's super uh, almost – I mean, maybe you should be in the room with Zach Taylor, right? You just unlock the, the formula, uh, which would probably be smart, right? Because it's probably – I mean, as Alex said it on, you're not really going to be able to run that much, uh, at least efficiently, straight at Aaron Donald and that front. So to be able to kind of do that, to take a page out of kind of what the Cowboys did week one of the season against the Bucks, right? They, they stayed away from that uh, – the, the dominant front, but they went with the screen pass and the quick passes to basically uh, basically be a running game without it being a running game. And uh, get your spot on the Rams sit. They like to play that soft zone and just kind of let that uh, front eat and really make the secondary look good. So if the Bengals uh, could incorporate that, and I don't know if Zach Taylor will, it'd be wise, as you said, but I don't know how much I can trust the team. You know, I mean, a winner-take-all games to completely change up the formula, it'd be it would be a uh, Super interesting, but I mean, that's a hell of a, that's a genius idea, I could say. Uh, anything from uh, from you, Dad? Actually, I got to ask, do you guys think CJ Uzama, do you think he will actually be effective? It looks like he's on track to play. I mean, he's coming off the knee sprain. 
Uh, I mean, that looks like a month injury usually, to be honest. And he throws the brace off. I saw a video of that. Like, how effective is he going to be uh, come Sunday? I don't think he's going to be, in my eyes, I don't think he's going to be that effective. But maybe you guys think otherwise. I mean, adrenaline and some Toradol shots gets gets you there, you know, for game day. If you're not, if you don't feel it, and he he, he can run, and he it doesn't bother him. I I, just, I mean, I can't speak for him, right? It just depends on how it feels. But like the adrenaline and and the shots can get you going. So I, I he definitely definitely has the ability to be playing at a high level. But you're right; it's usually a month month recovery. So that will be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a tight end running and then having to plant off that knee right at some point if, if the knee's not 100%. I just don't know. He's kind of found his way into being a big part of their offense along with the wide receivers. That kind of helps would help them as well as far as uh, moving the football. But, um, I mean, yeah, we just got to wait and see. As you said, adrenaline and uh, some cortisone, can uh, it can get you there, but that can only take you so far, right, when you come off a 35-, 40-minute halftime break um, and kind of that adrenaline dump happens which is kind of where these Super Bowls are won and lost, right? Who comes out of the gate well and who comes out of the half, the long halftime uh, churning. But, I mean, let's move to the other side of the ball. What, uh, what do you guys think the Bengals have to do on the, on the defensive side? Obviously, they have their hands full, right? They're going to have to deal with Cam Akers. If you can hold on to the football, uh, I heard Daryl Henderson's probably going to be back. Sonny Michelle kind of got, like, screwed out of the offense. I thought he was running the rock very good for them. And then uh, Cam Akers comes off the miraculous uh, Achilles tear healing in four months. And uh, Sonny Michelle is just like a ghost. He's gone. And then obviously, I mean, the wide receivers, the tight ends, Higby, Odell, Von Jefferson, Cooper Cup, probably the best receiver in football um, right now. So, I mean, what do they got to do on the uh, on the defensive side? Obviously, they got a little bit of a front, uh, a front themselves. They kind of need to attack with that front. The corners are kind of weak. The safeties are a, a little bit better than the corners are back there on the back end for them. So, I mean, what do you think the uh, Bengals need to do defensively to kind of slow down, uh, force some bad throws out of Matt Stafford and uh, get, uh, get the ball back in their offensive hands? Yeah, I think, the, Go I think the, I think the front four is going to be critical because they really can get some pressure with Hubbard and, and uh, Hendrickson and DJ reader even had a, an impressive game. Um, against the Titans especially. So I think that's the number one key. I mean, obviously, you got you to gotta get pressure on Stafford. But we've seen, especially with Stafford, he will make boneheaded decisions. He will give you the ball, but you have to make him give you the ball. If he's standing back there in a clean pocket and he's got receivers, you know, running untouched through the secondary, he'll just have a field day. But we've seen time and time again, if, if you can get in his face, if you can make him rush, if you can make him think about the pressure at his feet and at his knees, he will just heave ho sometimes and, and he'll he'll make decisions and poor reads that he wouldn't otherwise make if the pocket was clean. So to me, that's priority one is is get pressure on him. And then on the back end, I think we can all agree the matchup to watch and what could really decide the game is can Mike Hilton keep Cooper Cup below his numbers? I'm not going to sit here and say shut down or hold him, you know, without a catch through the first half. That's not going to happen but he's one of the top two or three slot corners in the game. He has been for a few years now. He's had a really, really impressive start to the playoffs. And he seems like he's always around the ball. They'll blitz him sometimes. They'll, they'll change up the looks, but primarily his assignment is going to be, um, you know, containing cup whenever cup lines up in the slot, which is, you know, 80%, 75, 80% of his routes. So that'll be the key 
for me. Just can you keep him under his, you know, otherworldly averages? You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, like I said, shut him down or keep him catchless through a half. But if you can just make Stafford get off his number one guy and start forcing an Odell, I believe Higby's doubtful. He still hasn't practiced this week with the, with the MCL. It's kind of weird. We, we joked about, you know, him and Uzama having the same injury and Uzama's like, I'm not missing this game. I'm playing, I'm in practice and all that. And Sean McVay with Higby is saying, it's not looking good. It's going to be, you know, a very outside shot that he can play, not ruling him out yet, but just an outside chance. It's not looking good. So yeah, if you can just make, if you can make Stafford look to the Van Jeffersons and the Beckhams more with not seeing Higby out there. And if, and if Hilton can do a good job on, um, Cooper Cup, I think I think that's one B to the one A of getting pressure on Stafford. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah, spot on. If you can, we've seen time and time again, right when Matt Stafford has to, when he kind of has to dance around and navigate through pressure, and he gets hit a little bit, um, he tends to make mistakes. He damn near almost through the through the 49ers of the game uh, two weeks ago. I kind of I didn't even realize. I forgot. That's how long it's been since uh, competitive football was playing. I completely forgot that Higby got a. Uh, hurt so i mean yeah that kind of takes a weapon or at least a reliable a sure-handed guy if they find a way to somehow slow down a cooper cup but yeah i mean you're spot on they're not going to be able you're not going to completely shut down and uh lock down cooper cup he's just that good but um yeah i mean if they're up front able to you know stunt send some blitzes kind of change it up give matt safford different looks confuse him um and as you said make him look at the two option or have to look at a third option um, it could cause some problems. Alex, what do you see uh, out of the Bengals defense that they kind of need to do uh, to slow down uh, the Rams? Blaine, Blaine really nailed it for me. Um, that front four, the start and the pressure on Stafford, I don't want to repeat what he basically said, but I'm right there with him. And to me, like the Rams, they will try and run the ball and then they want to go off the play action. They've had that same recipe since McVay's been there. And I, I would assume they're going to be able to run the ball decently well, three to four yards of carry and get that play action. If I'm the Bengals, what really uh, scares me, because like you were saying about Hilton and Cup, Cup will get his right and do your best to slow him down. But Odell's been clicking, right? And what scares me, if I'm the Bengals and their defense is going to be those third downs. And when right when you think they're looking at Cup or you finally got Cup on a play, it's going to be Odell open on a slant or whatever it may be because Odell's been playing really well. And that's what truly worries me right now for the Bengals defense because Cup has been so otherworldly, but now Beckham has really hit hitting his stride. And, like, if you got those two guys together, that's that's incredibly tough, right? And obviously we know that they're in the Super Bowl, but that's what really scares me is going to be there's going to be some big third down conversions to Odell. And I think those could be like back breaking plays for like drives. Can they get, can they force the punt or the field goal and get off the field on third downs? Yeah. I mean, that kind of, yeah, you got to worry about those kind of long extended plays, right? You have to get at Matt Stafford and kind of not let those plays drag on and let Odell get all the way across the field. I was going to say, they're kind of like a, a hard, offense to match up again right because hypothetically you could sit here and say hey why don't we just double cooper cup right just try to take cooper cup completely uh, out of it i mean would you would you think of doing that if you're kind of on the Bengals' defensive side would you maybe i don't know you have mike hilton and then have a safety just you have two guys follow him at all times and say uh, if we can get him out of it and make uh, matt safford look elsewhere slow down his process make him uncomfortable back there 
that uh, that could be a route, but then it's like, then you have to deal with Odell, who's kind of, as you said, he's hitting his stride. He's starting to look better and better each week. You have Von Jefferson still there. They just have so many guys, and then they even have the plays out of the backfield. I mean, Sean McVay, uh, I'm not a huge, huge Sean McVay fan, but he can get crafty uh, in the offense, especially off those play actions. So it's like, if you're on the Bengals side, would you consider doubling or having two guys follow Cooper Cup and kind of living with Odell or Von Jefferson beating you? I think the hardest part about doing that is he plays primarily in the slot and he has a two-way go. It's easy to do that with outsiders. I don't want to say easy. It's a lot easier to do it with outside receivers because the safety is coming from the inside to bracket and you can have your corner play accordingly and sort of shadow knowing that you have inside help from the safety. But that's nearly impossible. I think you would just be basically shooting yourself in the foot by trying to have a safety help on Cooper cup because he still has a two way go where he runs just as many outs to the inside and across the field as he does to the outside, because there's so much room when you're playing inside, you don't really have that same advantage when you're talking about like a guy on the outside, like a DK Metcalf or when Devonte Adams is lined up outside or Deandre Hopkins, it's a little easier to do it in those circumstances because the safety doesn't really have to account for, you know, going both ways. I think really what the answer comes down to is if you don't trust Hilton and I, and I think they're going to open the game, trusting Hilton and giving him those one-on-one opportunities. But I think to your point about if they need to double, if they, if they get to a point where they feel like they need to double, I think that's when they're just going to get away from man and start going zone. Yeah. Or you could say, Hey, we know Cooper cup's going to do what Cooper cup's going to do. Maybe we say, fuck it. And we take Odell out of the game, right? Take somebody out. So that way you lessen the amount on the table, right. For, uh, yeah, for them, right. Just give them a a lesser of the spreads, make Matt Stafford think a little bit, but uh, that's what I'm saying, dude, they're so tough on the offensive side of the ball. And when you're going to run that style of defense and they just have so many guys that can kind of can break that if your front four doesn't, it really comes down to how much pressure that front four is uh, going to be able to generate when you run a, a man scheme like that, right? Because you can't have, I mean, you can barely touch the receivers as it is today. So it all comes down to how much pressure. And if you can make Matt Stafford think, make him uncomfortable because, I mean, Cooper Cup, he's just that good. And the way the rule set is today, uh, these guys are going to get their way on the offensive side, right? A hundred percent. And like the doubling them, I think Blaine nailed it right. And they'll switch to the zone. And like, it comes down to what you were saying, putting pressure on Stafford. And to me, it's like, if they can, so you're talking about like eliminating Beckham or trying to slow down cup, but if you can get them in long yardage situations or really shut down the run game. So once again, it all comes down to this front four, right. For Cincinnati it all, cause all those things turn around. All those things do is put more pressure on Matthew Stafford. And like Blaine brought up earlier, he's shown that he'll make mistakes or throw the ball up if the pressure's on him in certain situations. So, so it's all about the front four and multiple aspects because they can get uh, turnovers off Stafford if they just force it. Yeah, that is, um, yeah, it's facts. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a, it's an uphill battle. That's why they're kind of been the underdogs um, outside of the wildcard round, obviously like this whole, this whole run, um, it's going to be an uphill battle. They got to kind of, play really uh, perfect, I would say almost perfect football, right? I feel like they have a way, way, way smaller uh, margin for error than the Rams do on the other side of the ball. But I mean, it makes it fun because they just, they just seem to not care. Like that's what, that's the best thing about the Bengals for me. It's just like, right when you write them off, 
they just they just don't give a damn and they just find a way they'll do something i don't know matt stafford they won't have tart on the team so the guy the safety will actually catch the interception that matt stafford heaves you up because i mean i fully fully expect matt stafford to make one or two throws in the super bowl where it's kind of like go make a play right where we see i don't know can eli apple not get hit in the nuts with the ball or can somebody, you know what I mean, can somebody on that defense in that secondary uh, make a play? Because I think the front will get uh, to Stafford and force at least one or two throws out of him that we're like, what the hell is that? Um, but, I mean, it's a tall task either way, right? It's The Bengals are really going to have to execute perfectly on the offense, more so on the offense side of the ball keep. I mean, that's the strength, right, Joe Burrow, with all those guys, keeping him upright and then uh, kind of setting their defense up for success. But, I mean, right. go for it. I was going to say, are we factoring pressure into this at all? And when I say that, I don't mean in the sense that, like, Joe Burrow's nervous and he's not going to play well. No, he's played in big games. He's going to play really well. What I'm saying is the Rams have a better team. They're at home. They have all – they mortgage their future, all these draft picks. They went all in, right? They should win this game and they're better. And then you have the Bengals, which are all young guys, including the coaching staff. They're playing with house money. Like, do we factor that in at all? Um, I mean, I think they'll be, uh, it's a Super Bowl, right? I like, I think out the gates, there'll be a little bit of pressure on both sides. I mean, if I'm looking at both teams, uh, the Rams definitely like the the Rams have it all. Like if we're looking, if we're trying to teeter the edge on the uh, pressure side, like who has to win this football game, it's kind of like the Rams that the Rams have to win this, right? As you said, they sent all the picks away for the next 50 years. Uh, they have all the stars. They went out and got Matt Stafford. He's the missing link, right? We had to get rid of Jared Goff. If we get Stafford in here, we're guaranteed to win a Super Bowl. So it's like if we're looking for a side that maybe has a little bit more pressure on them, it's definitely the McVay Rams. But, I mean, I think both sides coming out of the gate, it's just like the the factor of it's the Super Bowl, it's Los Angeles. Like the moment uh, is going to be there for sure. I don't know how Blaine feels, but I mean, if I had to put pressure on one side, I would definitely say the Rams, I was, I, they should have a lot more than uh, the Bengals. Yeah, I agree with that. They, they're they definitely the team that should win. I don't think if the Bengals don't win, I don't think anybody's saying, oh my gosh, terrible year for the Bengals, but if the Rams don't win and their opponent was the Bengals, which at the beginning of all this, if you had said that would be your opponent in the AFC, they'd be like, yeah, sign us up. So I think there's pressure in that sense, but it's a Super Bowl, and it's to me that's not going to play a factor. It's going to be, you know, do you convert the opportunities that come there come your way? If if there's a muffed punt, who you know happens to jump on it? If there's a third and six early in the game, and and Burrow puts it right on Jamar Chase's hands, does he drop it? I mean, those are the type of things that I think win and lose the game more than oh the Rams should win, but they might be too jittery because they should win. I, I'm not factoring that in a whole lot. Yeah, uh, I could. Yeah, I could. I could agree with that for uh, for sure. But I mean, let's straight up jump into it. Let's hop over to the uh, the Rams side. Obviously, the four point favorites, the NFC champion. Uh, they have everything. They got Matt Stafford. They got the the better of the O lines. They got uh, Cam Makers. They got uh, Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle. They got all the guys on offense. So I mean, when you look at them, we just said what the Bengals. Uh, need to do to kind of they got to get their front four going they got to attack them they got to you know find a way to stop cooper cup they got to find a way to slow down odell they got so much on their plate but i mean if you're sitting here on the ram side of the ball you're sean mcveigh you're in their uh their meeting rooms for the past two weeks preparing for the super bowl what are the rams what are you looking for the uh, rams to come out and uh do at least to you know start the game what are their keys on offense to get them going and for them to uh, cruise to a uh, super bowl win 
Well, I think it's a lot of what we talked about, right? The they're gonna run with the the real interesting thing to me is like who's gonna get most of the carries. I would assume it's Cam Akers, right? But I don't know. It's a it's a little convoluted. I still think Tony Michelle deserves some carries. He hasn't been fumbling, but they're gonna try and establish a run, then go off play action. And I just think, like we said, like you're not gonna stop Cup. It's just Cup is gonna be so damn efficient, and it's he's just beats you on routes. He just breaks before you do or <clears throat> stops before it. It's just so impressive that I think they're going to be able to like really do what they do. Right. That's terrible analysis. I know, but it's going to be a lot of running and play action. And I just don't see how, if you actually slow down cup on a play, as long as the pressure's not on Stafford, right. And he has time. I don't see how you don't, they don't get another receiver or a back open. It's going to be very hard to slow down this Rams team with the exception of the front four for the Bengals, like really balling out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I couldn't disagree besides for the fact, I don't know how much the Rams are really going to run it. Like they're a bottom 10 team. When you look at the rushing right since Matt Saver came in, the Cooper cups going off and going off, they've kind of became like a, uh, almost a pass happy team uh, with the throwing it, you know I mean? Getting all the weapons involved. I would like, I mean, I think it is a crucial thing for them to trust the run game, right? Get back to what you kind of did with Jared Goff, run the hell out of the football because it does set up that play action. That play action is so deadly, but I mean, I don't know if I could sit back and kind of assume that Sean McVay is going to go away from, you know I mean? He's like, he's liked having the ball in Stafford's hands and letting Stafford work all year. So I don't know if uh, these past two weeks, he's like, yeah, we're going to change up what we do. But I mean, I think it would be genius if they went, you know, get the running backs going. I would assume Cam Akers, as you said, is the lead horse they kind of brought. When you bring a guy back off five months off an Achilles tear, um, even though he has the fumbling issues, they continue to go back to him. Uh, regardless, it's just kind of it's how it's going to uh, to be. So, I mean, yeah, I think if they got the, uh, the running game going, it definitely sets everything up. But I just don't know if they're actually going to do that. I mean, what do you what do you see offensive keys? Blaine, do you think they'll rely on the running game uh, to kind of unlock the play action and get things going on Sunday? I don't think th- I, I can answer that both ways. I don't think they need to get the running game going to open up the passing game. And I say that strictly because of the amount of plays that Sean McVay uses motion. I mean, he's just so, so good with motion. I believe they were second in the NFL behind the 49ers in plays using motion. Nobody's ever going to touch Shanahan. It's like absurd almost. But I think because of that, you, you move the eyes of the linebackers, which is the whole purpose of play action is, getting the linebackers to bite on something or think about something else. So I think because of this, the scheme of his offense, I don't think it's um, necessary to go out and establish the run, but I'll, I'll take it in a different direction. I think they should come out and establish the run just to not put too much on Stafford's shoulders. He's heard for all these years. He's no good in the playoffs. All the statistics that have been out there since like 2014, it seems like about, he, he had never beaten a team with a winning record uh, or that finished the season with a winning record or whatever. And that was kind of appalling. He's kind of answered some of those questions this year, but still, even in the last two weeks, all I've kind of heard on the talk shows and, and on ESPN is this is why they got Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford getting them here is not the reason they brought him. Jared Goff got him, got them to one of these. He needs to win it. He needs to close the deal. Otherwise, he didn't take you any further than Jared Goff did. And so for that reason, I think they need to just alleviate a little bit of pressure off Stafford and like 
not get too throw happy so early. Um, in terms of the running backs, I don't think – well, I mean, if, if they can hold on to the ball, I don't think it matters who gets the carries. I'd like to see an even distribution because in the grand scheme of things, all these guys are fresh, and I, and I can – it's for different reasons, but Cam Akers is fresh because he's had, I don't know, less than 75 carries in the last six months. Uh, Sony Michelle is fresh because he hasn't been used in the last three weeks, and Daryl Henderson's fresh is because he hasn't played since like week 14. So you have a you have a three horse stable at running back, and I think they all deserve carries. Michelle was so reliable; I don't think he lost a fumble all season long. Um, Cam Akers basically tried to gift wrap Tom Tom Brady another uh, shot at the Super Bowl, and so I don't think he's necessarily earned anything other than the fact that, like you said, he earned his way back onto the field physically by putting in the the time and the rehab. Uh, and Daryl Henderson was really really good for them this year until they sort of went to Sony Michelle late in the season. So I think you gotta you gotta rotate those backs in and just not put too much pressure on Stafford. But I think in terms of the play action and all that and, and how efficient the run game is, that doesn't bother me as much solely because of the amount of play percentages that uh Sean McVay uses the motion. Yeah, that's spot on too. Yeah, I guess that's where where I uh should have went right. It takes getting the running game. It takes a lot of pressure off Stafford. There's he's probably the guy that is, uh, the most weight is on his shoulders. Um, outside of Sean McVay on that team, right? Everything's on him because of what you said, right? This is the reason that they brought him uh, into town. And yeah, Sunday, it's like either close the deal or it's you sit back and you're looking Monday morning of why the hell did we even get Matt Stafford if we couldn't get any farther than uh, we did with Jared Goff. But I mean, yeah, you're good. It's spot on. They use the motion. They'll kind of, yeah, they'll use a lot of stuff to disguise and uh, set things up like that um any other kind of keys on offense from you alex you got anything before we kind of go on to the uh defense no i i think y'all pretty much nailed it and it's going to be important to get a bit of a balance so it's not on stafford but i think blaine nailed it he did a good job yeah for sure so i mean we look at the defensive side i'm just going to go away from the pass rush everybody knows like yeah if they're the big key yeah bang bang get to the quarterback abuse the o-line uh, is there anything else you see on the defensive side of the ball for the Rams that say, I don't know, somehow they can't get to Joe Burrow. They have a blocking scheme that just keeps him upright. That There's no pressure. And uh, he's just able to have fun back there and do his thing. Uh, is there anything else that the, uh, the Rams defensively can kind of do to uh, slow it down if somehow the pass rush fails them on Sunday? I mean, in that scenario where they completely can't get pressure, I don't like – yeah, I don't know what you could do because that's just too much time for a quarterback that good and those physical receivers, right? But to be fair, the same thing goes for Stafford on the on his side, right? If you can't, if you give him all time, they're gonna eat eat you up, right? So if it's a scenario like that, I think it just like you literally have to win in a shootout because they're just too good offensively and their skill positions are too talented. Cincinnati's are to where you can give them enough time like that it's that it would set up for disaster i think yeah i guess i shouldn't even really said no pressure i should have been like right everybody's going into this game assuming like they'll just beat up that o-line right they say it's like they're not beating them up as much and like they're kind of holding their own i mean obviously they're going to find ways but i mean everybody's kind of assuming if the titans were able to reel off nine sacks like they'll be able to abuse with the with this group of guys up front so i shouldn't have said like no pressure Obviously, there's going to be plays, but I mean, to say the Bengals O line obviously holds up a little bit better than we thought. You know, I mean, they they have a protection scheme to kind of slow it down. They're using the tight ends, they're using the running backs.
Jacks to give uh, Burrow some more time back there. But, um, yeah, anything that you see kind of playing on the defensive side outside of the pass rush, like if the pass rush gets slowed down, that uh, would make it interesting or that the Rams could kind of flip-flop. Maybe the secondary gives them something, uh, shows up and uh, bails out the front. Yeah, the only thing that I, that I would say uh, should be a point of emphasis, it's going to sound crazy because most of the time you hear coaches and players say, you know, our stars are going to show up and we need the role players, you know, to, to just do what they do and, and we'll be okay. The, I actually don't subscribe to that notion this week. I think the one thing that concerns me is Jalen Ramsey. I think in the secondary, I think Eric Weddle's going to play assignment football and, and do what he's supposed to do and, and not freelance. I think uh, Taylor Rapp will be back at safety. I think he'll play assignment football and be where he's supposed to be. I think Darius Williams on the other side will play assignment football. The only thing I'm really concerned about is Jalen Ramsey, who's notorious for, like I said, starting eight to 10 yards off and then believing that because he is such a physical corner and, and, and he's giving you so much cushion that you can't beat him deep. And he just locks eyes on the quarterback sometimes looking to jump around. And that's my biggest concern. It's not the other guys. It's not really the linebackers. It's not the other members of the secondary. It's, the lapses from time to time that we see from Jalen Ramsey that causes him to get beat deep because he's starting so far off the line of scrimmage that he thinks he can't beat deep. And he just stares down the quarterback waiting for them to, to make a decision and figuring out where their eyes are. And then next thing you know, he looks over his shoulder and Mike Evans is behind him. He looks over his shoulder and DK Metcalf is behind him. He looks over his shoulder and Devonte Adams is behind him. But Devonte Adams had 104 yards in that, in that week uh, 15 game, I believe it was. And so from time to time, you know, he, he, he's, he's losing focus on his assignment and worried about where's the quarterback looking? Can I jump something? Can I, can I make the quarterback look silly? And I don't think T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are the type of receivers you want to lose sight of. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, for sure. I think Jalen Ramsey at, uh, at times, right, kind of – he kind of thinks uh, like he has this R and right, that the, that the receivers are going to be afraid of him. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are not going to be afraid of him, right? If you're lining up 10 yards off the ball uh, and, and you have lapses, they're just going to eat on you. We watch Mike Evans do it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of does. He just kind of has that ego, right? If something goes bad, he could have a blow up. I mean, we've seen him fighting teammates on the sidelines and doing this and that. I think you hit it spot on right there. Letting Eric Wello, he I think he's going to be the quarterback of the defense on, uh, on Sunday in the Super Bowl, which is huge for them. He's kind of a veteran. This is why he came back, right, to kind of keep the group rallied up. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at if the pass rush doesn't have a good day and Jalen Ramsey uh, – isn't locked in and plays smart football. Um, yeah, they could be in for a, a long one back there. They have been, uh, they have gotten beat deep a little bit back there. Um, obviously, we saw Mike Evans do it. So, I mean, they are susceptible to that. We've kind of seen guys have days on Jalen Ramsey, to be honest. We go in on it quite a bit in our, uh, in our little group chat about how Ramsey, uh, he kind of gets beat up a little bit. You know, I mean, he's definitely top five corner, but we, he's kind of in my eyes. I mean, I'll just say he's kind of overrated in my eyes. But um, yeah, it could be it could be problematic, right? If he's not locked in for four quarters on Sunday, and that pass rush just can't abuse the uh, Bengals, or at least cause Joe Burrow to make some uh, some bad throws. Any um, yeah, any any uh, tidbits from uh, from your end, Alex? I think that Ramsey point is really good, right? And it ties into 
that when we were talking about the Bengals offense, because if like you said earlier, Blaine, like if if they're going to play 10 yards off, then do those quick, short passes and just give five to seven yard chunks. And then you're forced to play close and it changes the, the dynamic of everything. And I just think th- those just tie together. Right. And that's going to go into if we see coaching adjustments, because if the Bengals are getting beat up, right, hopefully they adjust to those quick passes or vice versa. But like, that's going to be really interesting because all those things are very tied together. The quick passing, the Ramsey 10 yards off and the coaching adjustments. So like, that's a lot on Zach Taylor's plate, right. And the offense and uh, making sure they have that figured out because the one thing I hope they don't do, which we saw Andy do Andy Reed in the, Chiefs doing the last Super Bowl is be stubborn with the vertical routes. And like it just all ties together and it's gonna be really interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. And especially, I mean, we saw the San Francisco 49ers have success when they use those little Debo Samuel, you know, the screens to cause the uh cause the defense that's playing 10 yards off. It causes them some issues. Screen passes freeze you up. You have a lot of space when they're gonna play that soft zone eight to ten yards off and just uh, let that front kind of do their thing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the Super Bowl, right? It comes down to uh, what side can adjust. You know, I mean, if the Bengals come out hot, what can uh, what can the, the Rams on the defensive side do to adjust? It's a big uh, – it's a chess match, right? And that's what makes uh, – so it makes it so fun because the chess match with so much on the line, too. The Super Bowl has so much for both sides um, on the line that whatever, uh, whatever team can execute and make their adjustments at halftime, it can really uh, sway the game in the long run of things. But, I mean, there's so many things that we could go on for hours on uh, on end about when you look at this, and it could just – it could go on forever. But, I mean, we kind of laid out uh, what these teams need to do. I mean, we might as well flip it in a different direction. It's kind of something that I've seen on uh, plenty of talk shows where they kind of just go down uh, straight down with all the uh, the personnel groups, which side you would give the edge to – um on Sunday heading into this game so I mean I'll start off just right off the rip we'll start not even on the field we'll start on the sidelines with the men with the headsets who would you give the coaching edge to uh heading into the Super Bowl this one is actually tough for me I think the obvious answer and slash easy answer is to say Sean McVay because he's been in the Super Bowl and he's like everybody like the media loves him he's this genius offensive mind but I I don't know since Sean McVay's been there on some of those deep playoff runs including this year I've just seen him make some poor decisions some poor time management decisions and like he kind of goes conservative when he needs to like really put his foot on the gas right we've seen it multiple times in different scenarios throughout the years he's won a lot of playoff games and this is his second Super Bowl appearance and hopefully he learned from the last one but I'll lean McVay still because of experience, but I just, he just, it just makes me nervous because I've seen him go conservative at times when he really shouldn't. So I, it just makes me nervous. Yeah. How about you, Blaine? What, uh, what coach do you lean with that has the edge heading into Sunday? Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll use some, some verbiage and, and sort of hedge my bet. So with the question being heading into Sunday, I'll give the edge to McVay because he's been here before. He talked about uh, some of the mistakes he made switching up the routine and, and how that Super Bowl week is a lot different than uh, any normal week. So heading into the game, I'll give the Rams the the preparation advantage um, simply because they're at home. He said now with, with 
having gone through that first Super Bowl and then the, the extra special bonus this time around of being at home, that they haven't had to change anything they do. They've stuck to their script pretty much identically, except for, you know, talking to the media and all that. So heading into the game, I'll say McVay for those reasons. Zach Taylor is having a week like he's never had to coach a game before. You're never going to be in a city seven days before you play a team. You're never going to have the obligations, ticket requests, all that stuff that he's got going on. And then in-game, I'll, I'll lean in-game adjustments to uh, Zach Taylor just because we've seen them come back uh, multiple times now, especially against the best team and the best quarterback and one of the best coaches in the league in the Chiefs. And he's been making ap- appropriate halftime adjustments and in-game adjustments, whereas we've seen McVay uh, lose some leads, squander a 27-3 to advantage against the uh, against the Bucks, and then struggle some against Shanahan, where he really gets outcoached during the game. So heading into the week, I think preparation and all that logistically, I think the Rams go into the game with a huge advantage. And then if it gets a little hairy in the game, I think you got to lean Zach Taylor for the in-game adjustments. Yeah, I knew my man was going to have a Harvard and Harvard – answer prepared but yeah i think i actually heard some they said they over prepared for the patriots super bowl if i'm not mistaken they like yeah that was uh the words from him yeah but i mean if it's coming down to it i'm gonna go slightly and honestly zach taylor for everything that you just said right we've seen them adjust this entire uh playoff run the nine sack game where they get beat up and then the comeback against uh the chiefs i just think if as you said if the going gets tough and it gets dicey that uh, Zach Taylor will he'll somehow find a way. And I mean, him, Joe Burrow, they'll get together and find a way to kind of flip the script as they've done this entire playoff run. And we've kind of seen the, the Sean McVay Rams, right? They come out on the script hot, ready to go. But then something happens. I mean, Matt Stafford takes a sack and it's a quick drive. And then they're just like a mess, right? They they uh, they almost let the Bucks steal it. They kind of they found a way to do it the other way uh, in the NFC title game. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's by the slightest edge that I would uh, take Taylor. It's super tough. It's super tough when you got a guy coming into his first Super Bowl, right? You don't know if the moment will overwhelm him, but I'm going to go with the moment doesn't overwhelm Zach Taylor. And if he had to make an adjustment, I'll trust him to make the adjustments over uh, Sean McVay. Um, Another one, let's just straight jump right down. Let's go into a quarterback. I mean, a lot of people are going to go Stafford, 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 just because based off of experience, right? Everybody's going to go Stafford, but then it's like, I mean, when you look at the short career of Joe Burrow and plus his college career, right, he's played in the national title game. He's kind of he's kind of been around the uh, ringer in high pressure games as uh, as well. Who would you give the uh, the quarterback edge to uh, on Sunday night? I'm actually going to lean Joe Burrow. He has been an underdog the last two games, balled out. The man got sacked nine times in the divisional round and pulled his team out still. And like we said earlier, it's just not that Burrow can't do it as well because we he threw a really bad interception in the against the Chiefs at one point. But we've just seen Stafford get pressured and force it up and make mistakes. And I just I just got to go with Joe Burrow right now and that swagger. He's been an underdog and he's just pulled his team up and kept them going. And especially against the especially against Tennessee in those nine sacks and then a couple of those plays against Chris Jones. It's just I'm so impressed with Joe Burrow and his swagger. Like I'm all aboard with Burrow. All aboard with Burrow. Blaine, are you all aboard with Burrow too? Are you wrong with the Stafford, the experience? I mean, he's been years in the league. He's been waiting for this moment uh, and all of that. Yeah, I'm gonna go Burrow too, actually. And uh that crossed my mind. It's like it's easy to use the narrative of experience, but I mean, if we're just going to 
go by the numbers, Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford have both won the same amount of conference championships. They both just won their first. So uh, Joe Burrow, to me, has played in more big games if you go back to the national championship, the semifinal in the playoffs at LSU, and then just won his first uh, ever uh, conference title, just like Matt Stafford just won his first uh, that same day. So to me, I'm going to go Joe Burrow. I just think I trust him to limit the mistakes more than I trust um, Matt Stafford. But I just think that it's going to be close in Matt Stafford for having all those years in the league. Really, you could say Joe Burrow has played in more big games over the last three years. Yeah, spot on. I'm rolling Joey B too. I just like I like all the swag, the amount of game, the amount of big ones he's played in. As you said, same thing. Uh, they both had the same amount of conference championships going into this for Super Bowl for both guys. But yeah, I don't know. I just something about Joe Burrow. I've seen Matt Stafford damn near ready to fold in uh, in games this season, and Joe Burrow uh, just seems to not be that type of guy. So I mean, yeah, I would slightly lean. Uh, Joe Barrow heading in to this one as well. Um, how about running backs? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's kind of a different dynamic. One team uses Joe Mixon heavy. They mix in a little Samaj Pirine. And then uh, you got a kind of the Sean McVay offense where they run Cam Akers, they'll run some Daryl Henderson. We might see some Sony Michelle. Um, so do you look at, you give the advantage to kind of the three-headed or the two-headed dragon, or are you kind of giving it to uh, Joe Mixon and the Bengals uh, running back group back there? It feels pretty damn close right i would definitely say joe mixon is the best back out of them but i, I think the rams as a total unit has a, a slightly better unit and they get a boost because their offensive line is much better right and like mixon is definitely the best back and they're really good and i like smaji p ryan and what he's done but i i gotta give the edge to the rams here gotcha how about you blaine in the backfield yeah, I actually agree with uh, with Alex. I'm going to take the versatility and the the scheme, the backs playing in that scheme of Sean McVay where the, the linebackers' eyes are moving all over the place. They're worried about cup in motion and doing all those different things. I think uh, I think the Rams running backs are set up more for success on Sunday. Yeah, that's fair. I could uh, I could agree with that. I could I could roll with you guys on that. I was going to say Joe Mixon. I would. I was waiting to see where, where we were trending here, but that's y'all made some uh, y'all made some fair points. So we'll uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Um, super nice one when we look at the wide receiver cores now. Obviously, you got Cooper Cup, probably the best in the game, if not number two. If you're going to say Devontae Adams is the uh, best in the game, but you got the Cup, Beckham, Von Jefferson out there against the Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd grouping. Um, which group are you giving the edge to uh, heading into the Super Bowl? This is probably the hardest unit to pick. Um, I want to lean Bengals slightly because as a full unit, I think they're barely stronger. Um, if you were to go top two versus top two, I would lean Rams, but I like Boyd over Jefferson. But, I, I mean, Jefferson's still good. It's it, This one is damn close to me. Gotcha. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to – to my formula from the last uh, grouping with the running backs, I'm going to say talent wise, I give the edge to the Bengals. If you, if you put all these guys in a draft right now, I think that uh, chase is going to probably even go ahead of cup. If you're starting a new franchise and you don't have like the McVay play calling and you don't have your quarterback set up and all that. Um, so I think raw talent, I think the Bengals room has more, more talent, but I'm going to go with uh, the Rams again for their scheme and their, and their play calling and the design and, how uh, historic Cooper Cup has been this season. 
The old pure talent. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to lean Rams just because they're able to free up their guys so well, right? Like, they literally revitalized. Odell's career was dead in Cleveland. He got in that scheme, was able to uh, basically come back from the dead. Uh, they find a way to get Von Jefferson involved, and then obviously Cooper Cup, what he does on the field kind of speaks for itself. So, I mean, it's not like – it's not a huge margin because I do love those guys uh, on the Cincinnati side, but I would go just slight edge because the total package that you get in that kind of that Rams – system um o-line skipping a d-line there's no point talking about that honestly really the only other position group to me uh that kind of comes down to is the secondary right it's kind of the secondary do you roll with the the corners on the uh the ram side where it's arguably like the uh, the Bengals strength is probably in the safety spot right they have a little bit weaker corners they're trotting out who it's a woozy eli apple mike hilton they're good guys but then you have obviously jalen ramsey darius williams and uh, their guys, whose secondary would you give the edge to um, on Sunday? I think I would give the edge to the Rams. Um, like you said, better corners. I would take the Cincinnati safeties probably, but Eric Weddle is – yeah, honestly, he's been a good presence. I thought when he, like, hopped back on the train, it was going to be kind of tough, you know, not playing in a while. But he's been good. And obviously, you have Jalen Ramsey. Um Williams long. It's just, I would give the slight edge to the Rams for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think when I look at secondaries, that's right. The corner play is kind of valued higher than the safety. They have the best corner on the field with Jalen Ramsey. So yeah, I would probably lean uh, the Rams secondary as well. How about you, Blaine? I know you're going to have something cooked up to literally toast both of us. No, I I agree. (laughs) I I would go with the Rams. Uh, I'm convinced, honestly, if there was no such thing as halftime and the chiefs Bengals just played the straight four quarters that the chiefs were going to win like 56 to like 10. Uh, I don't know what secret potion was given in the locker room. I don't know if it was some of that space jam secret stuff that Michael Jordan handed out in 95, but uh, they literally could not stop the chiefs wide receivers and pass catchers in the first half and got saved by the bell when the chiefs got down to the one and just didn't have enough time to like run a full complement of plays there. And then they came out and really, I still didn't even, I still wasn't really impressed by the, by the Bengals secondary, even in the second half, they really didn't have to do much. If you remember Mahomes first interception of the second half, the defensive end, like I think the backup defensive end, honestly, just made like some brilliantly athletic play, tipped the ball to himself, caught it. And that was the first turnover. And then really the front four just started harassing Mahomes. He didn't have time. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't even find his receivers. Who knows? you know, how many times have we watched the film back that receivers were still open? I don't believe that coming out of halftime, Eli Apple and Chidobia Wuzier started clamping Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But uh, I, I think it was just that, that Mahomes just didn't have time and then he was getting flustered and, you know, the defensive end made a good play on the batted ball interception. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that game was clearly trending in a direction in the first half where you could see that against a good group of receivers, Cincinnati's talent uh, is just outmatched in the secondary. Yeah, for uh, yeah, for sure. I guess there is one more that I want to uh, bring up. Special teams, obviously the kickers, they play a huge part in this. We've seen Matt Gay kind of be uh, shaky at times, and then we've seen Evan McPherson. That guy's been lights out. Um, I assume we would all kind of give that, uh, that edge to the, uh, to the Bengals. Yeah, I'm with the Bengals on that. And McPherson, dude, the swagger to say looks like we're going to the AFC Championship, boys, and they go nail it. Come on. Got to go with that guy. Yeah. It's like flip-flop. Oh, my bad. 
No, I'm going to go with the Rams if we're just counting all special teams aspects. Obviously, Matt Gay, I don't know what's going on with him. It's like he maybe his toes were severed off or something. He came up short <laughs> on a 48-yarder against the uh, Bucks, and then this last game against the 49ers. He was like way right and way short on like a 45 yarder. Like, I don't know like what happened to his kick power, but it's like magically completely gone. Um, so yeah, in that aspect, I go McPherson, but uh punt game, got to go Johnny Hecker, not only for his boot of a right leg, but yeah. he has been known to pull out some of the best special teams, fake punt passes, like in NFL history. And then the punt return and kick return game. I really like Brandon Powell returning kicks uh for the rams i think he's only been there like eight weeks he's having a really good uh time on the punt return average and he's already returned a punt for a touchdown yeah that man is nasty in the uh the return game i could agree that's what i was gonna say it's kind of like a flip-flop right you would take the Bengals kicker but then i think there's no shot you're taking a punter over uh hecker yeah um, hecker is uh, incredible yeah, when you uh, look at that, I had one more. Oh, uh, not really a position, but I was going to say, yeah, with the Matt Gay, I think when uh, they played the Bucks, right, it was like he can't he, – he's awful at kicking at SoFi, but he can kick everywhere else. I think that's what I saw the stats. I could be completely wrong. It could be flip-flop or the other way around, but I swear I saw that where he's, like, terrible at kicking at home and on the road he's lights out. So, I mean, hey, your Super Bowl is going to be in that building. Uh, it could come down to his leg at some point, right, if he starts shanking 40-yarders or coming up short on 32-yarders um it just just embarrassing right the game uh, when the game comes down to the kickers at time but the Bengals say hey, they got they got an ace of spades up their sleeve for sure um before we kind of give our predictions for the game I guess um we kind of talked about it beforehand but what's your favorite kind of bet going into the game whether it's a spread whether it's a prop whether it's I mean it's something out there what is your like top the must bet going into the uh into the Super Bowl Okay, so I, I, I feel like I have a strong one I like a lot, but it's the prerequisite is if you're if you believe the Bengals are going to win the game. This is for Cincinnati betters. Um, the plus four is enticing, but if you are all aboard the Bengals and you think they're going to be Super Bowl champions, it, <clears throat> the odds are if they win the Super Bowl, most likely Joe Burrow is going to be the MVP. Uh, I have a very hard time seeing it be someone else maybe someone on the defensive end, I have a hard time. And then offensively it all runs through Burrow. So if Jamar Chase has a monster game, the problem Burrow probably threw for like 400 yards to get there. So they probably still give it to Burrow. So I firmly believe if the Bengals win, Joe Burrow will be Super Bowl MVP and you can get Super Bowl. You can get Joe Burrow at MVP for plus 225, which is better than the Cincinnati Bengals money line of plus 170. So if you think the Bengals are going to win, my favorite bet is Burrow Super Bowl MVP because you just get better value. For sure. I was hoping that you'd go with, will there be an octopus in the game? But I just, we just found out what that second. meant. <laughs> what that meant like two days ago. Uh, but Blaine, what's your favorite bet for the, uh, for the Super Bowl? I'll pivot. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give, I'll give Alex the, the crown on, on the favorite bet. Cause I think that's strong value. I'll just give a fun one just because it's kind of cool to root for, and uh, it's plus money. There's a prop out there for plus 165 for over 2.5 players to attempt to pass. So you know you're going to get the two with Burrow and Stafford, and then there's a bunch of different ways that you can play the third guy getting a pass. Obviously, if one of those quarterbacks gets injured, if if Aaron Donald just takes Burrow's head off, you know you're going to have a backup pass. That gets you over the 2.5. 
if there's any type of trick play, Philly special, uh, Odell has been known to complete some really nice passes. He completed one to Cam Akers on a wheel route a few weeks ago. He's completed some to Jarvis Landry in the past. That's another way to get a third player to attempt to pass. And then the final way is always you got the you always got the ace up your sleeve with the fake punts from either uh, Johnny Hecker, which we've seen time and time again, or maybe Zach Taylor gets some balls and gets creative and uh, gets out of his conservative shell and allows uh, a punter or a, a place holder on a field goal to attempt to pass. So I just think that's a fun one to root for. Not that you want to root for an injury or anything, but there's pretty good value in that, I think, for over 2.5 players to attempt to pass. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe they wheel out one of those, yeah, that reverse play. And uh, bang. So, I mean, my favorite – nah, I was about to say something dumb. But my favorite one I just saw on uh, DraftKings, any kick to hit the upright is a plus uh, 400. But, nah, I mean, my true favorite one, I've been hunting in on it for two weeks, uh, was 18-1. to 1. It's now down 16-1. to 1. It's Aaron Donald to win the Super Bowl MVP. I kind of don't understand how. I mean, I guess I get why Cooper Cup is 6-1 uh, to 1 and it's kind of second favorite behind Matt Stafford. But, I mean – as uh, I said before we even came on, and I've kind of been saying it for two uh, weeks now that it's like if the Rams are going to go off and right, if Cooper Cup's going to have a very good day and he's going to have the 12 catches, a buck 60 and two touchdowns, odds are Matt Stafford has a good day. And uh, I mean, in this day and age, it's all about the quarterbacks. It's kind of a storyline of Matt Stafford was able to go to L.A., leave Detroit and he gets the Super right. He's likely to get the Super Bowl MVP. Um, I don't think there's a world where Matt Stafford completes 15 passes and 12 of them are to Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup carries. But, um, yeah, I think if there was a world where that happened and Matt Stafford was off, Aaron Donald's going to eat up that uh, the Bengals interior, right? He's going to get all after Joe Burrow and kind of have his day and kind of winning a Super Bowl championship and him winning Super Bowl MVP kind of completes his legacy, right? It kind of pushes him further towards the greatest defensive player of all time and at least into that discussion. So I think to be able to get him at 16 to one, it was 18 to one is kind of, it was kind of crazy when I looked at it, to be honest, that Cooper cup was the second uh, favored Ram on that board. But uh, he can join his buddy as Super Bowl MVP, him and Von Miller, if he has that game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just kind of, I don't know. It was weird. Von Miller, maybe Von Miller goes off and snags another one, but um, yeah, I just thought it was, I don't see how they're going to give it to a, a wide receiver over uh, Aaron Donald. If yeah, I just I don't see a world where uh, Matt Stafford's terrible but Cooper Cup balls out. Right? It just doesn't. It doesn't seem likely. I don't know. I mean, hey, it's Vegas, right? So they know they're onto something. And uh, I just sit here and uh, yeah, I just sit here and talk about this shit, and I'm usually wrong. So hey, I'll probably be wrong on Sunday. But um, yeah, that's just kind of one that I really like. Um, so I mean, now's the time, right? We're kind of wrapping this thing up. Um, yeah, it's a prediction time, whichever one of y'all, or if y'all want me to lead off, I don't mind leading off if uh, somebody wants to take the floor. But, I mean, who wins Sunday? And, uh, yeah, what is your score prediction, I guess? Oh, man. So, I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I think the Rams are better on paper. They should win. Joe Burrow loves being a dog and he just keeps getting it done. And I've had such a fun time watching him do this that I'm just going to ride, ride the train and pick Cincinnati to win 28, 24. Gotcha. 
Um, I'll get, I guess I'll go and then we'll let Blaine kind of wrap it up. I'm also going Cincinnati Bengals. You hit it spot on with basically, yeah, the Rams should win. Um, they probably, yeah, the Rams should probably win, but Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, they don't really give a damn if who should win, right? Um, so I'm going to go Cincinnati Bengals win the Super Bowl 24 to 21. I think it's crucial for them to keep, if they're going to win, right, it's going to be, they'll be able to stifle the uh, Rams offense, keep the scoring a little bit lower. I think a big key for the Rams is to get that 24 plus points, but uh, yeah, I'm rolling with the Bengals. They, they shock the world and uh, the Cinderella Cinderella gets a Super Bowl 24, 21 Bengals. How about you, Blaine? What is your uh, call and score? I'm picking the Rams and I'm going to channel my inner LeVar ball and speak something into existence. I'm taking the Rams 30 to 23 because that's the correct score. I bet on $15 turns into 4,500. So Rams 30, Bengals 23. Yeah. Hey, my Rams, when I originally did a Rams pick, 28-17, no books allowed us to put that in. Um, that feels like a ripoff. But, I mean, that's a fair one, right? They get over that 24-point threshold. I think if they're able to get over that 24-point, 20, right, if they're able to put up 24-plus, they're in a good position in my eyes uh, to win it for sure. I like that score. Any kind of uh, closing thoughts? I mean, this kind of – this is – it's wrapping it up time and uh, time to get out here. Just, just to that bet, I like that bet because the Rams, it should be a touchdown. Like on paper, they're better by a touchdown. It's football and crazy things should will happen. But, hey, it should be Stafford by seven. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I don't disagree. If everything went right, the Rams – uh, should uh, should have it, but too bad, LA. You got Matt Stafford for nothing. You guys aren't winning the Super Bowl. Sucks to, sucks to suck, but I mean, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this Super Bowl edition of the, uh, the Take 3 podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Please like, subscribe, and comment. Uh, as always, the Spotify link, if you're an audio-only person, will be in the description uh, below, and yeah, we'll see you next time to kind of unpack what happened in the Super Bowl. I expect some crazy things. This is a fresh matchup, and uh, just super excited to tune in. Sunday night.